and welcome to season two of Beyond Philanthropy. We are so excited to be in our second year of recording and going into this year, we have a theme that we're going to be kind of exploring throughout the season and that theme is disruption. This season, we're going to have more guests. We're going to talk about more big picture topics, where the problems are, where changes should be made, what we should be questioning as people, individuals, but also as professionals, and how we should go about disrupting the process. Welcome to Beyond Philanthropy. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Philanthropy. It has been one whole year of disruption. One year. And we are going to recap for you everything we've talked about so far this year with uh, disruption in philanthropy. Really, what have we learned this year? What have have we learned this year? Well, so the first guest we had this year was Vanessa Briggs. I've heard her speak before, and she's one of those speakers that every time she starts talking, I, like, drop what I'm doing and listen, because I'm like, yeah, that, yes. Fairy godmother. All of that. <laughs> like, I can see why you call her fairy godmother, because that's what I want a fairy godmother to be. I want a fairy godmother to be, like, the voice of reason in the room who just drops some real talk that, like, makes you stop and think, like, oh, yeah, like, I love that. Right. Um. So she talked a lot about community yeah and that was kind of her form of disruption was community so alliance for health equity mm-hmm. which was the brandywine health foundation right i mm-hmm. mean they you know it goes back to you know we i know i've said this a number of times but you know people who have always been in this space maybe causing harm and i'm not saying that brandywine was causing harm but people who have been in this space operating in a way and then maybe learning something new and just saying, hey, we now understand DEI, we now understand whatever, now we're better. Right. Alliance really owned that. You know, she really identified that they weren't servicing the community effectively as a foundation. A lot of organizations and community members didn't know what they were about, you know, what they had to offer. So they really not only just said, let's just learn our new terms, they said, let's just knock it all down and mm-hmm. rebrand mm-hmm. from a community perspective. Right. They didn't just rebrand with a, this is what we think right. the organization should be. They rebranded from a, let's find out what the community thinks we are and what the community needs. And then we'll turn that into our new brand. And specifically as a community foundation, I think that's really important. Uh, but even for non-community foundations, even for other funders or even for other nonprofits, like there's the non-disruptive way of doing it, which is the traditional way of doing it, which is like, hey, we are the leadership of this organization and we're going to tell you exactly what you need. And then there's the sadly disruptive version of it, which is, right. what do you need? And we're here to serve you. You are the community. What do you want? What can we do for you? How right. can we help you? So I think that, you know, within that lesson, if you you are disrupting philanthropy, you are disrupting your own practices, mm-hmm. your own being, and doing it from the perspective and view of those you're actually serving. Yeah, which shouldn't be disruptive. Like, I hate... <laughs> <laughs> I hate that that's what we call, consider disruptive. It's because, right. like, at the end of the day, it's that's the right thing to do. Like, the right thing to do is to actually listen to your community, find out what they want, and then provide it because that's what you, as a nonprofit, 
exists to do. However, we're here talking about how disruptive it is to actually listen to your community because that's how messed up philanthropy has become and nonprofits have become is that they've become these monoliths in their communities where they come in and tell the community what they need. And the community has no choice but to say yes because there's no one else right. offering to meet their needs. It's yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. It, it It is a thing. But, you know, as I said, you know, fairy godmother is always fairy godmothering. And now she has left uh, Alliance for Health Equity and she's doing her amazing work um, in another organization in New Jersey. So we wish Vanessa well. And we hope that, you know, as she conquers her new venture, Mm -hmm. she brings those lessons along with her and the disruption is beginning to spread. She's so going to. I'm not excited. I'm not worried about that at all. That, yeah. So I loved our conversation with Vanessa. If you haven't listened to it, please do. That was very (laughs) godmother-like. The next guest we talked to this uh, year was Mike Hinson. So we just we need to take a moment and take a deep breath because we uh, lost Mike this year. We did. Um, he he had an illness and uh, very rapidly declined, and uh, we are going to miss him terribly. Terribly. As a community, I did not know him as well as Monique did. Um, but we, we really are truly going to miss him and the genius that he brought yes. to philanthropy and to our community. So, moment of silence. Watch the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I have spoken to people, other people who have known Mike much longer than I have. <laughs> I really just had a conversation like two weeks ago about that episode. and Someone was like, oh my gosh, like... I didn't even know about that episode until after he had passed away. So I was just playing it on a drive, and I literally had to pull over. Mm-hmm. He was in rare form. Mm-hmm. That was the <laughs> best conversation, the best representation of Mike I had ever seen. Like He actually shared it on, on his social media and said almost as much, but he personally said that to me, and I, I had to be like, so that episode, like most of them were edited because he was in rare form. Um, we were all, in, I know I was in rare form that episode. So we definitely had yeah. to edit that episode down. It was longer and um, a little bit more transparent. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to maintain everyone's integrity. <laughs> but I think that's, um, so, so my organization, um, one of our members of our leadership team suggested that the leadership team read this book on psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not saying a lot of it is common sense, but it feels like a lot of it is common sense, like most like leadership, you know, self-help type books are. But psychological safety is not a concept I had been introduced to. Like, no. I, I think I, like, you kind of know what it is, right? Like, when you say psychological safety, you're like, oh, somebody feels safe enough right. to, like think, process, be, exist. It's like you're taking out of context. Right. Right. Um, but having having read it, um, I feel like a lot of what we've talked about on the podcast is creating psychological yeah. safety. And also this podcast is a psychologically safe place because we it get is. such great conversations with our guests. Um, but especially for Mike, I think it was a very psychologically safe conversation where we were able to cover a lot of topics really let out feelings, frustrations, thoughts on systemic everything. change. Yes. Everything. Like we I mean we went into it wanting to talk about systemic change, but we really covered a lot. Yeah. 
However, it all did boil down to like climate change. I mean, yeah. it, we went from to the root of the cause. Yep. Right, and everything in between. Right. So I think that that conversation has to go anywhere mm-hmm. in its authentic framework, just to really hit that topic. Mm-hmm. Because if we're really going to talk about systemic change, we have to we have to get to the root of it. We really mm-hmm. have to talk about all the aspects from government programming and taxes and advocacy mm-hmm. all the way down to our community members and, you know, what they're doing to help themselves and what they're doing to be supportive, but also what they're doing to have their voices heard and what nonprofits and foundations should and should not be doing in that process as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think the disruption there with systemic change is that the system is broken. Oh, Yeah. no matter how you look at it, system is broken. So any change we make to the system is disruption, like any any change to any part of that system. So from you as the human being standing here all the way up to the government that runs this country, any change to that system is good. It's good change. change. We love disruption. Disruption is great. Then we talked to Doris who is the president of our local chapter of AFP. And she had come to us for the interview um, right after attending LEAD, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a conference run by AFP Global for leadership specifically. And she talked about some of the the positive changes um, that AFP has made and small disruptions. Very small disruptions. You know... As we prepare for this episode, and I was like, yes, you know, do we really want to recap that episode? <laughs> Only because, well, the, while I love Doris, mm-hmm. um, and the conversation was a great conversation, very insightful, you know, in the terms of disruption and even, you know, building off of our last conversation around that open letter, mm-hmm. um, there's, a, there's, still, there's still work to be done. And I think yeah. that's the other thing, too, right? Like, I don't want to prop up people for being disruptive right. when all they did was just take a step. And I know the first step is, like, a great step, but for some organizations at this point, every year is like, this is our first step this year, and we've done enough this year. Right. And that's, like, disruption can't live in that space. Right. Like, if you are going to go all in on disrupting all philanthropy... In. You got to go all in. You got to go all in. You can't just say, oh, yeah, uh, we hired a black person. Right. We're done. Right. Uh, And I think, too, that's we ended up talking to Doris a lot about her position because she was a senior-level fundraiser who Mm -hmm. moved into a chief idea position. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, living that diversity at work and really building that position for herself and building a department now Mm -hmm. that supports it. Uh, that is that is disruptive. It is, and this. I mean, and she's a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I in my you know my last like full time job at Stepping Stone when I was fundraising, people used to say like, "Oh my gosh, your gala is the biggest gala next to the orchestra." Mm-hmm. Right. So you know everybody knows how big and elaborate and how much mm-hmm. many dollars and like that. For her to be in that position for that organization, and she's been there for a while, she has, like, yeah. 
and now giving her the resources because I think that that's you know that's what holds a lot of people back. Um, whether it's you know providing with the team, paying them effectively, mm-hmm. um, actually allowing them to be their authentic self, yeah. to to speak up and to cha- make the changes that are needed for them to be successful. Because it's one thing to say, "Here's a job, here are your goals, get it done." Mm-hmm. There's another to say, "Here's your job, here are your goals. What can we do to make sure you achieve them. Yes. And I think that she has definitely owned that and been mm-hmm. able to live in that space. Um and, you know, the Kimmel Cultural Campus? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, what's the new name? They rebranded. Like, they rebranded. <laughs> um they've given her the ability to to be successful. They have, and I I love I love to see that. Yeah. That's huge. Uh so so we also talked to Mike O'Brien. Yes human nature and we talked about the trauma of philanthropy which i think maybe doesn't directly connect the line of disruption but it does well we were overcoming the trauma because i think that a lot of people don't understand how traumatic people of power do not understand how traumatic it can be to those not in power Mm -hmm. and i think that in order to be disrupted in philanthropy we have to own it. Mm-hmm. We have to own the harm that we have done, mm-hmm. the harm that we are doing, the trauma we are causing, so that we are able to move forward mm-hmm. to to really be effective in our practice of philanthropy. That was such an excellent description. Thank you. I don't have anything to add. To that. <laughs> that was so good. Um, but I, what I will add is that Mike is such a genuine human being. Yeah, and he so truly deeply cares about this work and specifically about how to lessen the trauma yes. and lessen the burden on the people doing this work. Um, and he is a person who does this work and knows very well what the burden and the trauma can look like. Right. Uh, so that was, that was a really good episode. It was. Yeah. And I think our last guest was Sophia. And we talked about um, supporting black leaders and kind of my my take on it is like if you want to achieve disruption, I think and you're at the beginning of your journey. A lot of people are Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to hire a person of color. Right. And that's that's going to achieve my goal of disruption. And what we talked with Sophia about was that it's not enough to just hire a person of color you have to support, mm-hmm. just like we were talking about with Doris. Yep. You have to support that person, and you have to enable their success and encourage their success and support their success. You can't just check the box and say, we've hired a person of color. We're done. We've yeah. disrupted this year. And, you know, I don't know if we're getting better. I hope that we're getting better. I haven't surveyed the land yet. <laughs> but definitely 2020 around that time, mm-hmm. there was that, um, we're going to put a black ED in place. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And and this is not Sophia's case, but this is a general, you know, statement where a lot of organizations were just, we're diverse, we're disruptive, we're going to hire a black ED. Mm-hmm. But we've got a 100% board or majority board that is not of color, a board that is not representative of the community, a board that is not fully supportive or providing support for that executive director. Like, again, you have to be resourceful and fully supportive in that effort. If not, all you did was just take that step 
And while, you know, the organization might have been around for 20, 30 years, and this is the first black ED and we've taken a step, that person is not going to be successful. As an executive director, as a director of development, as anyone in a leadership position in a space that is still traumatic, it's, it's still problematic. Yeah, and it happens way too often. And I would, I am really interested hopefully somebody out there is studying the data because I know there were a lot of leadership appointees of color in 2020 specifically, second half of 2020 specifically. I would love to see where they're at now, Um, you know, two years later. Are they still there? Are they gone? Did they go under weird circumstances? Did they, you know, get support throughout their tenure there? Um, Because I, I suspect a lot of them have left and they've left because they didn't feel supported. But that's just a suspicion. I could be wrong. Maybe right. the world will shock me. Who knows? Who knows? So we had some wonderful guests this year. We had some wonderful guests. And, I mean, I know we want to definitely make sure we have more next year, but I think that we, as a sector, because, again, philanthropy is a sector. I was actually looking this up last night before I came here, and I'm like, I keep saying it because, I just feel like that's the truth. Like, when you think about philanthropy, you think about philanthropy is defined as the love for mankind, and that does not mean that you just love them through funding. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that you love them just because you're an actual person writing a check, giving stock, whatever the case may be. You love them because you are dedicating your time, talent, treasure, mm-hmm. you know, to to people, to a cause, to bettering the world. So, you know, when we think about disrupting that, you know, are we looking at all those facets? You know, are we actually taking the time to understand? So I just saw this article that was from earlier this week that was on CNN that was talking about, you know, why we should be skeptical of the billionaires that pledge to share their wealth. Mm -hmm. And most recently, um, we lost a great philanthropist, Pablo Eisenberg, who also criticized philanthropy and the way that people are giving their money away because – why do you why are you pledging your money upon death while people suffer in the meantime? Mm-hmm. Why are you, you know, becoming the richest person in the world mm-hmm. while your workers and people are just are starving? Uh people are homeless. If we're being philanthropists and we're being disruptive in the way we're giving, whether it's mm-hmm. trust based or not, um <laughs> you can't give it and also perpetuate the issues that need the philanthropy anniversary. Right. Yeah. It's so um speaking of trust based, I saw an article. I finally get to say the words. I read an article <laughs> the other day. Um I read an article the other day about relationship based fundraising instead of trust based for spe- specifically for people who give grants. Um Okay. It just like isn't it, isn't it the same thing, though? Isn't well, the whole point of trust-based philanthropy is forming a relationship? So that's where I was confused because, yes, my understanding of trust-based philanthropy is that you build a strong, trusting relationship right. and then you stop with the infantilizing of you have to do this, you have to do that, we have to see your numbers, we have to have so many visits. It's a more natural relationship than that. Okay. that That's my understanding of trust-based, or at least that's what I want trust-based philanthropy to be. So... The relationship-based philanthropy article was like, we don't want to just give you money and leave you alone. 
like that's not what we want. So we don't like trust-based philanthropy. We want relationship-based philanthropy. But, okay, but back up. But I yeah. thought trust-based. It's built on the relationship. You it's can't built have on the relationship. relationship. Because even in the reporting, it was so some people actually have more conversational relationship-based reporting mm-hmm. rather than just mm-hmm. send me a piece of paper or an email in a year and thanks for working with us. Like, I thought that was the whole point. Yeah. Can we I was, stop? Yeah, can we stop naming it? Can and we stop, stop naming it? Stop trying to it? brand it. Like, it almost felt like this person was trying to create their own personal brand based off, like, I came up with this. I came up with this. Just like, it's like it would be like if we were like, we want to coin the term disruption because we talked about it on our podcast. It's ours now. So two years <laughs> ago, no, last year. So last year's Philanthropy Week, um, I entitled Community Centric Philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Like last month, I saw somebody pushing community centric philanthropy, and I'm just like, how about we just. Do philanthropy. Yeah. How about we just do it right? Yeah, and then we do don't it, have let's to... Let's just do it right. We don't have to coin it. We don't have to... Yeah. Like, okay, we are not disrupting for disrupting sake. We're right. not disrupting to make a name for ourselves. We're not disrupting no. to... Like, we're just disrupting so that we are equitably and respectfully supporting and serving the people and the issues that need to be served. Like, I don't I don't understand. Yeah, no. We're disrupting to, like, correct the imbalance. That's it. That's it. Like, That's it. it's not a branding opportunity. It's not a naming opportunity. You cannot build your personal brand on being the person who said this. Can, so can we talk about that really quickly for one second? 100%. I want to get your opinion on this. Oh, because I'm an influencer now, so yeah. You are an influencer. <laughs> How was your meeting with the Polish consulate? <laughs> it was great. That's awesome. Um, so I – the Mackenzie Scott thing is starting to bother me. Yeah. And I don't know – Did she perpetuate that, though? So my thing is every time she makes a donation, mm-hmm. I just donate it to – or her PR people is doing it, right? Because the right. first thing is, like, there's no kind of vetting process, or there's some vetting process, right? There's no actual, like, oh, I'm meeting with Pathways for Housing. Let's have this conversation, get to know each other, right? right. It is, she's just giving money out. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big press release. I, right. Mackenzie Scott just gave out, and it's not coming from the nonprofit, right. saying we receive these dollars. Correct. It's coming from her or mm-hmm. her team or her whatever. And I'm just kind of like... Was that necessary? Is it necessary? Mm-hmm. Because, so are you using this as your branding opportunity? Because before we all we just knew you as Jeff Bezos' wife. Right. And then it was your Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. And now you're Mackenzie Scott, the Philanthropy. white savior. No, yeah. I'm going to say white savior. Gonna, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to go there. So I think there's two ways to look at that, which is exactly what you just said. Or shaming everyone else for doing it the wrong way. So by publicizing the way that she does it, she is, what she's not saying is, Jeff and all you other billionaires out there are are not doing this right. I'm doing it right. More people should join me in this. Is she doing it right? That's, well, that's another question. Right. Because, so. again, I had this conversation recently with another foundation because, 
who does she utilize? I'm not, we're not, I don't need to answer the question. I'm sure you know the answer. I know the answer. But who is she utilizing to give out this money, mm-hmm. right? She, again. Jay Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish she was using MJ Rodriguez. Yeah. But again, organizations who have been consulting and working in this space all the while, perpetuating mm-hmm. the issue, and now that the branding has shifted, the terminology has shifted, now we're, we've learned this new terminology, so now we're experts in that. Yep. And now we, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, yeah. so in those organizations, and then again, we've talked about it. Like some of those organizations she even gave money to aren't even as effective. They just have brand recognition, and they have brand recognition in communities of power mm-hmm. where the communities that often receive the dollars or receive the funds or the programming are like, they're not doing, they're not, they're not really helping us the way we need to be helped. So, so I just made a TikTok. Not all of them, some of them. This, I'm not talking about TikTok here, but I just made a TikTok, mm-hmm. and you can highlight a charity on mm-hmm. your page. So I'm scrolling through because I'm like, I made a TikTok to talk about philanthropy. Like, it's going to be an extension, basically, of our existing social media for this podcast. So absolutely, I want to choose a charity. <sighs> the national charities that are on that list mm-hmm. Are all basically all of what we were just talking. It's like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, yeah. and United Way, yeah. and Girl Scouts. And I'm not saying that people are not helped by those organizations, but what I'm saying is that is not the kind of organization I want to highlight on nope. my personal TikTok. No, nope. I want to highlight a community-driven organization mm-hmm. that is doing great work. Yep. And there is no way to nominate a new nonprofit to add to your channel. And there is no way to self-nominate as a nonprofit. So guess who does not have a selected charity on her TikTok profile? Philanthropy Val, because I'm not doing it. Like, I, right. I refuse. I refuse to give them more space right. over more deserving organizations. Right. Like, I think we really have to take a step back. And I mean everybody. I really feel like, why are we doing this work? Because, you know, I know of executive directors at some of these very established, well-known organizations Mm -hmm. who could really care less about the people that are being served, right? Mm -hmm. They sit at the head. Because it's one of these really big organizations, they Mm -hmm. get the notoriety, they get the big paycheck, they get the assumed power that comes with it, Mm -hmm. but they themselves are like, ugh. I don't. I, I can't be bothered with this with with the simple people, right? So it's just like okay, and then they've got high turnover within their organization mm-hmm. because the people of color that work there are like, this is toxic and yeah. this is not conducive to helping my community. And those are the organizations that get money from Mackenzie Scott. Those are the organizations that get highlighted on on TikTok and all these things like that. And it's just kind of like, come on, people, like. Stop. Like, have, what have we not learned over yeah. the last two years? It's like we almost went back before, like, 2020 almost never happened. So, have I told the story on the podcast of I've the... told every story a million, <laughs> a million times. I know people. I have. Go ahead. So, the... I, I, I'm i pretty sure I've told it. But there was an executive director that was speaking, and it was, it was 2020 or 2019. It was before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I was in a room of like 100 people. It was hosted by a local foundation. This was one of their grantees. And they invited them to be a keynote speaker. So it was a female ED 
the large mental health nonprofit in Philadelphia. And she was talking about the homeless people that they support over and over again, the homeless, the homeless. And then she went a step further and said, we have a transitional employment program, but we know that we need to keep really strong track of who's in that program and whether they're actually doing their work or not before they get paid. So we have like strong, you know, tracking in place to make sure that like the people that are in the program that are homeless are actually doing what they're supposed to do as a part of the program before their paycheck goes out. And they're addicts, by the way. So she kept saying over and over again, like the they're addicts, they're, you know, maybe not trustworthy. They're like, okay, maybe not. So addiction hmm. is a disease. I know. Right. So it's, Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to No, it's I'm all right. Just, I'm guessing I, but, that's, but that's the thing. Like, I was sitting in the room, and I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Like, we're sitting in a room full of nonprofit workers who work for mental health organizations, substance use organizations, housing organizations, like, all of the above. And you're going to sit there as the white ED of your organization and talk negatively like literally act as if the people that you support are not worthy of your support unless they follow your rules I just like I thought my head was going to explode I got up and went to one of my foundation contacts who Mm -hmm. works at the foundation hosting this event and was like I did I legit (laughs) said that I was like what is what just happened and they were like "Mm, you know like we didn't know they were going to say that. And I was like, you need to not be funding them anymore. Did you hear how she just talked about My her thing services? is that you didn't know they were going to say that, but I'm assuming that is how she talks about her services. Yeah. It is not like she got up in front of a room full of people and became somebody different. Right. That is who she has been. Mm-hmm. And either you never took the time to actually get to know her and to mm-hmm. know her organization and you just funded it off of the brand recognition mm-hmm. of it. Like, come on. People are who they are. Mm-hmm. Now, some of, but, and that's the thing, right? Because I feel like when people do put on that mask, Mm-hmm. The mask goes the other way, right? Right. You're like, I am better than what I am. Not, right. <laughs> not like I showed up better oh and then I got gosh. up in a room full of people that <laughs> just switched to the negative. Right. Like, I don't even like, understand. Yeah, no, if you're going to put a mask on in that situation, it needed to be like, I don't look down on the people that I support. Right. Right. No, she she just like went all in. And I was so I was so disappointed, and Good and I gracious. never really felt like I got a great response from the foundation. Like, and it and it sucked for the person who works at the foundation too, who no longer works there anymore, because they absolutely understood how harmful that was, and how upsetting that was, yeah. and they couldn't do anything about it because their higher ups weren't interested in hearing. So I was like disappointed in the foundation. I was disappointed in the nonprofit. It's a huge nonprofit. Yeah. So I was I just was like I was really disappointed. And that like happens all the time. Like and that, like part of me wants to say like if you're going to act like that about the nonprofit you work for, do it behind closed doors. But the other half of me is like no, don't do it at all. You don't deserve to have this job. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point there cuz most people do it behind closed doors. Exactly. And I think that they again, they do it for the assumed power, they do it for the mm-hmm. check, they do it for the notoriety. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it for the people that they serve. So, I think that we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Next season, our theme is going to be systemic change in honor of Michael Henson. And we're going to look at all of our systems from governments to foundations 
to nonprofits, to the community, and really get into it and talk about how we can really change, how we can disrupt philanthropy as a sector, mm-hmm. how we disrupt and really change how we are being impacted and how we are impacting the communities and people yes. in our communities. And so we had some really great guests this year who had examples. Like right. they had receipts. This is how I changed this organization. Right. This is how you can change the system. This right. is how you can make a difference in your day-to-day, no matter what your role is. So we want more of that. Yeah. We want more guests. Uh, we, and we want guests from anywhere. Like, we've been really yeah. Philly-based. Mm-hmm. Who's doing this work not in Philly that should be on our podcast that we need to know, that other people need to know? Now, we want to highlight diverse voices. Yeah. People who are really doing the work. Yeah. And we don't want somebody who is, I'm an expert because I learned mm-hmm. from a person of color. Who's a person yes. of color? Or I learned from the community member. Or I learned from the dis- the, the person with disabilities. Or I, le- I want the person who is changing, who, who's changing it because that's who they are and have been. Yes. That, I don't want someone who has built their brand off of taking, borrowing, stealing information yes. from a community. I yes. want people who are from that community yes. who can come in and talk about it. So that so PR people out there, first of all, stop emailing us. Yes. But if you're going to email us, these are our <laughs> parameters. If you're a listener, we want to hear from you. We want to know who in your community is doing the work, is being disruptive, is making systemic change, is really moving beyond traditional philanthropy yeah. and getting to a new place. And, um, yeah, we, yeah. D- we don't want PR pitches. We, we don't want PR pitches. And while diversity is key, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we understand that, especially in the foundation funder space, mm-hmm. diversity might not be prevalent. Mm-hmm. And there are some leaders who don't have the branding PR bandwagon behind them that are doing this work Mm -hmm. that deserve not only recognition, and maybe they don't even want the recognition, but deserve to be able to say, this is how we made our change, and here's what others can learn from us. Because sometimes it just takes for somebody to be like, you know what, I didn't know, and I just said, the community knows. And this is how I'm giving away my billions, mm-hmm. or this is how I am now fundraising, or you know, it's just right. So I don't, I don't want to just put a. It has to be a person of color. No, I right? don't want to say that. I don't want to put that on there. But I know that there are people who have learned from their personal experiences mm-hmm. that are not extracting knowledge and power from somebody else mm-hmm. and putting it in a book. You know, I spoke at a conference last year, mm-hmm. and during my talk. The person who spoke before me was literally taking notes Mm. during my talk. And I'm like, Mm. I bet you all those notes are going to be in their next book, right? We, I don't want that person. Not, no. not not that person, but, like, I don't want someone people, like that. Someone like yeah. that who is building a brand off of extracting knowledge from a person of color. Like, if I've got my wish list, like, I want Edgar. Yeah. Still in the way, but, like, I want Edgar. I want yeah. Boulay, right? <gasps> I want you. Please. Boo, please. please. Edgar, please. Like, I, you know, I, I, I want to have, this has to go, 
we've got an international audience. Yeah, we do. So our uh, Spotify Wrapped dropped in the last two days because you know Spotify Wrapped they do it for podcast owners too. So oh. we had um, international listeners. We had like four other. We had a top five countries because we had more than five countries listening to us. We had a top yeah, five countries. we have we have like nine different countries that listen to us. Majority of them. Well, it doesn't matter. We have international listeners, and philanthropy is, while American philanthropy is typically what people focus on, philanthropy is, it comes from the Greek root, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's Greek. And when we really think about the history, I mean, it started tribal. Yeah. So we don't want to just focus on American philanthropy. No. Uh, it was heard in 16 countries. Oh, we and, expanded. And that's just on Spotify. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it totally could be more. Um, and our top five were U.S., obviously, because that's where obviously. we live. Uh, Canada, Germany, the United Kingdom, and Ireland. Yeah. Uh, I just want to also put out there, while we're talking about speakers and guests and stuff like that, I think very often I hear... There is nobody who does that who is diverse. Like when you're talking about speakers, when you're talking about like keynote speakers, you're trying to find someone. Like there's a very limited pool of what's considered acceptable. Right, but it's only because who's putting that label on it. Right. So I I want to point out that all of our guests this season were people of color. Yeah, they were. All experts, all flipping amazing at what they do. So knowledgeable, so like intelligent, and so like eloquent at explaining what they do and uh that is proof (laughs) that you there are plenty of people out there to talk to and if you can't think of anyone who's a person of color to speak or you know be a part of something that that is a you problem because Mm. you don't know those people you don't have those ties to the community you don't run in the right circles in order to recruit those folks so um yeah just want to just want to highlight that that like it is entirely possible you just got to commit to it yeah take that take that step and keep stepping yes Yes. disrupt your practice that is our end of the year holiday wish new year goal for you to take that step and keep stepping because not only will your practice get better but i promise you your community will get better as well 100 percent. wow well, thank you for joining us. Uh, yes, it's been a, two whole years. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate this. And if you didn't know, now you know. This has been Beyond Philanthropy. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. <laughs>